This morning's question, does your belly ache? Well, you may be saying, yeah, it does. How did you know we had donuts before service this morning? Um, if you did, lucky. Anyways, glad you're tuning in this morning to Freedom Fellowship. We're going to jump right into study together this morning. So please grab your Bibles, open up to Revelation chapter 10 today. And it's been cool as we've been considering um, the seals that we began to study in chapter 6 are being uh, opened by the Lamb of God himself, Jesus Christ. We found ourselves now in that seventh seal and we've been going through the trumpet judgments. And now today we have this interlude once again between the sixth and the seventh trumpets. So it's really meant for our encouragement. Um, I want us to remember that the interlude between the sixth and seventh seal. So I want to take a look with you guys at Revelation 7 real quick once again. At verse 9 it says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one can number, of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And the angels stood around the throne, and the elders, and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are the good shepherd of the sheep. And it is good to follow you. And we are believing that this morning you want to lead us beside those still waters to those green pastures. And it is so good to spend time with you in your word. So would you please give us ears this morning that we may hear what your spirit would have for the church. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So before the worst of the seals, we saw the, uh, the seven trumpets taking place so before the worst of the trumpets we are going to have seven bowls that we'll get into uh, in weeks to come so we're here this morning revelation chapter 10 let's look at verse 1 together 
I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. So this is pretty cool angel, right? And we read here about uh, being clothed with a cloud. I often think of the clouds as God's righteous strength. And we know that Jesus is going to come, return on the clouds. Um, and then we read about the rainbow here. God's covenant, uh, covenantial mercy and grace. Um, I always think of rainbows. Uh, to be honest with you guys, I think of rainbows and I think this is supposed to speak of love and it speaks of sin and people taking pride in sin. I wish when I saw rainbows, I wish our society, when they saw a rainbow or rainbow flag, that their mind would first go to that covenant that God made with Noah uh, after the flood. Um, and that's where our heads really should go as Christians because God uh, is a covenant-making God. He's very merciful to us. So this angel here that we see in verse 1, uh, really representing God's strength and his mercy. Uh, verses 2 and 3, it says here that he had a little book open in his hand. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and cried with a loud voice. And when a lion roars, when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. So the enormity of this moment, uh, awesome. Here is God's coming justice. And it's pictured with the enormity of this angel and we see in verse 2, the sea and the land roar like a lion there in verse 3. Uh, but this is not just a mere show of power. There is a message that is uh, being communicated. Actually, two messages. Uh, the little book that we see in verse 2. And then the seven peals of thunder, okay, uh, that, uh, that speak these, the uttered voices. There is both one revelation and two mystery here. Uh, if you guys think about this with me, something to be revealed and something to be concealed is what is going on. So there is something that we need to hear in and about the book. So something we cannot hear. Look at verse 4 here. Now, when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write. But I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. So we have no idea what is being revealed. We see here the thunders here uh the thundering in his voice god speaking that makes me think of uh psalm 18 verse 13 says the lord thundered from heaven the voice of the most high resounded 
So John was told here not to reveal to us, okay? Uh, it remains a mystery. So what are you, what am I to make of this? Well, it brings up the question, can we trust God in what he does not reveal? Much of life is a mystery, if we're honest, beyond our comprehension many times. We know that someone knows the answer, just not us. We search high and low, and we often come to realize that only God knows. And he's telling uh, us here. See, we struggle with the question often, can I trust God with what I don't or cannot know and what he will not tell me? Can we? Um, it tells us to seal up. He's telling John, do not write. I want to share a quote with you guys from Madame Guyon back in 1717 said this, if knowing answers to life's questions is absolutely necessary to you, then forget the journey. You will never make it. For this is the journey of unknowables, of unanswered questions, enigmas, incomprehensibles, and most of all, things unfair. Uh, talking to a secular friend this last week, um, you guys know that secular uh, world wants to uh, do away with God in every aspect, just get rid of him altogether. Uh, he, he was asking me where was God, uh, you know, in this pandemic. And I, I just, I chuckled myself. <laughs> Seriously, like you want nothing to do with God. Um, and here you're wondering, you're questioning, where is God? Why is he allowing this to happen? But it got me thinking, you know, what is God up to? Um, how long is this going to go on? And how is it going to use this for good? Especially to those he's promised uh, to work things out for the good to those who love him. Well, that would include us. And those who are called according to his purposes, well, that's us. Uh, so that gets you thinking. Um, and I know I can trust him. Okay, I can look back. Hindsight is wonderful. A lot of things going on that we're looking back and saying, hey, we should have done this differently and we could have done that. Um, but the reality is I know God is always faithful. He's got a phenomenal track record, faithful 100% of the time. But the one that really gets me thinking, uh, you know, is brothers and sisters that are persecuted. And I know you guys hear me talk about this a lot, but it's because it bothers me a lot. Uh, there are brothers and sisters who will die today for their faith in Jesus Christ. Persecution is something that is very real all over the world. I know some of us are tripping about our religious freedoms here right now, and maybe rightfully so, but we have it really good. Not even close to what many believers in a lot of the world face every day. Many are being killed for their faith 
in Christ Jesus? And that gets to me. There's a lot of questions that come around there. But then I think, we've studied Revelation chapter 6 already, but you can just flip back, look at verses 9 to 11 there. They're told that those who were martyred, okay, they were crying out, how much longer, Lord? They're being persecuted for their faith. How long is this going to go on? A little while longer, we're told in those scriptures. So this is in part in how Revelation especially helps us. Though the world is so perverse and there's so much injustice, just in a little while, guys, God is going to come and he's going to righteously act. Justice is coming. That is one thing I love about studying this book with you guys. This is one thing I see God doing through Revelation to encourage his church. I know some people don't want to touch it. Ah, oh, that's your future. Why even bother with the book of Revelation? No, we need to know the day is coming, guys, just a little while longer. And you guys can go turn to the end of the book. In chapter 20, verse 4, we're told that these who were persecuted, who were martyred during the Great Tribulation, that they're going to reign with Christ. That's what the scripture says. And we look at it. How can this be happening? Man, it is happening. It is a bummer. It stinks that this world hates Jesus and hates his followers to the point that they're willing to kill them. But guess what, guys? They're going to have a special role, a special place in heaven. So here's how Revelation is helping us here. There is so much that we do not know and we don't comprehend. We do know God, where he is. Remember chapter 4, the heavenly scene there, right? And we know what Christ has done for us in chapter 5. We see those things laid out. And we do know how it ends. In Revelation chapter 21, look at verses 1 to 5 with me. It says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write for these words are true and faithful. So do not write. <laughs> and then at the end, write these things down. Uh, so we can surmise here, guys, that the little book was all about the finish. The mystery being revealed in verse 7. So the thunder is a mystery still uh, concealed to us. Everything, okay, these seven peals about 
the in-between, what we do know is enough. That's the point. It's enough. And it far outshadows what we don't know. And that's one thing I see and I struggle with. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I, <clears throat> I want to be real open with you guys. There's a lot of things uh, I keep to myself and I pray on. And I think there is a place for us to commit things to the Lord um, and seek Him and be praying about uh, that we see going on. Uh, but when it comes to the church, and especially as a pastor, a leader uh, in the church, especially in our community, locally here at Freedom uh, Fellowship, I do see a trend in the church, at least in my lifetime, that just sticking with the Word of God, um, even in Bible teaching churches, that's, that's not enough. We need the newest thing, okay? I, we need to take in that conference or start following this teacher um, and I'm not saying those things are wrong, but we get caught up into things. And at least for me, um, if it's not provoking my heart to seek Jesus, to look to Jesus more, what's the point? Most of it is sensationalizing the scriptures, especially a lot of people who tend to be in uh, prophecy and end time Teachings are very good at this. I got a plethora of books. Um, most of them I can throw away because the things that they said were happening didn't pan out the way they said they would and fit the scriptures the way they said it was. Uh, we need to be very careful. We are to discern the times and the seasons, guys. Uh, we do know the finish, but there are things that are a mystery that are going on now as well as what's going to be going on during the great uh, tribulation. Um, I want to look at Romans chapter 8 with me. If you have your Bible open, uh, flip over there real quick. Uh, verse 18, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy. Catch that. Not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I hope you guys find encouragement in that. I hope you guys understand that we actually know where God is and how it all ends in the light afflictions, the things we go through, the sufferings of this present time, the trials. Uh, they're all worth it. We continue to persevere, to press on, keep looking to Jesus, fighting that good fight of faith. Okay, this life is going quick um, and the glory that awaits us far outweighs anything that we are facing and going through now that is truth brother and sister that's what we hang to so this is what we need to know let's take a look at revelation 10 again flip back there verses 5 to 7 it says the angel whom i saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever created heaven and the things that are in it the earth and the things that are in it the sea and the things that are in it and there should be delay no longer but in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel when he is about to sound 
the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. So there is an end in sight now. You guys can look in the next chapter, verse 15, 11, 15 speaks to that. But the therefore, we can endure the unknowns. That's the point here. We can endure, even if we don't know, even if it is a mystery. And we can accept and embrace the bitterness of God's word. You might be like, what? Really? Um, Revelation uh, 10. Let's look at the next few verses here. Um, well, actually, let me share with you. I got. I do have a slide for 11.15. It says, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there was a loud voice in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of the world have become the kingdom of our lords and the Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Isn't that cool? And if we go back to chapter 10 here, look at verse 8. Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and I said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and I ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. And when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. So what is the bitterness of God's word? Well, here in Revelation 10, it's the fact of the coming judgment. But it is also sweet. Sweet as honey. Did you guys catch that? So there are many ways in which God's word is like this for us. I want to take a look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Look at this. This is a great example. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, hey, who doesn't want to follow Jesus, right? That's what he's asked us to do. Of course we're going to do it. And then he goes on to say, let him deny himself. What? There's a cost. And take up your cross. What? You are crucified to the cross. And follow me. That's what it looks like to follow you. Look at verse 25. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? So there are those who do not tolerate. Um, oh, we're not in Mark yet. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to the bitterness of God's word, there are many that don't tolerate it. They won't tolerate the bitterness of the word so as soon as it demands uh, the demands of discipleship that we just read about uh, press upon them they refuse it they reject it i don't want anything to do with that 
Look here uh, in Mark chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Some fell on stony ground. This is speaking about the word of God. Some fell on stony ground. Some of the word, uh, or it didn't have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of the earth. But when the sun was, uh, was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And then it's explained down in verse 16 of Mark 4. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they heard the word, immediately received it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves. And so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. And we see people do this all the time. Look what James exhorts us here. Chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So the word of God is meant to be obeyed. Obedience can be upsetting, uh, but it always is sweet, and vice versa. I think of Psalm 19, um, Verse 7, I'm going to read uh, just a few of them. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey of the honeycomb. And moreover, by your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. So we must ingest, absorb, assimilate the word. Not merely, amen! <laughs> Aren't we good at that? Preach it! Amen! Praise the Lord! That's good! Um, we can hear all day long, but we need to be doers of the word. <clears throat> Jeremiah. Your words were found and I ate them and your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I've been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. So what 
do we know satisfies and settles what we do not know? Well, therefore, we can begin to obey Jesus here without question, right? Something to forsake, sin, something to forget, a grievance, someone who needs forgiveness, the gospel. So the implications of Revelation, guys, are that there are many who need to hear the gospel. Right? Chapter 7, verse 9, every tongue, tribe, nation. So judgment is coming. Look at verse 11 again, guys. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. So will you play your part when it comes to bringing the gospel to the nations? In light of what we've been learning here about the coming wrath of God, his mercy and grace are here now. People need to get saved now. So I want to conclude our time this morning with the question, what are you doing? What are you doing? In light of who Jesus is, what he has done, what he is doing, what he will do, what's your part? What are you doing? And I want to encourage you guys, maybe for some of us, it's going across the street today, knocking on our neighbor's door. For some of us, it might be going. God has called, but you haven't been obedient. For some of us, it might be giving up our toys, our comforts, and help send those who are called to go. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for what you are doing. You're on a mission. The gospel is reality. Your heart is to save, to seek to save the lost. We thank you for that. We thank you for the grace that found us. And Father, we want to be obedient, not just hearers of your word, but doers of it. I pray that we would get into your word. We would take it serious. I pray that you'd be real uh, just with us and where we're at and what you're asking. God, we know the time is short. We know the Great Commission is, is it. It's what you've called us to as Christians, as believers, as ministers of reconciliation. And we pray that you'd show us individually, corporately, as a church family, how that looks, what the going means. So we do thank you, Father, for how revelation, just the study of it, Lord, brings perspective, eternal perspective. We thank you so much for the time that you've given us now, <laughs> this time in history in which we live. We want to be about your business, Father, so help us to do that. I'm asking your name. Amen. So I want to encourage you guys. The Apostle John, 
uh, was asked to take the book and eat it. Let me tell you what, if you are one who takes the study of the scriptures seriously and you read it daily, I encourage you guys to do that. Uh, it's sweet. The word is so sweet when we think about how God loves us. Even though we are a fallen people, a God-rejecting people, uh, he is still full of compassion. He loved us so much that he becomes a man. We read of how he humbles himself and goes to a cross to die, that our sins could be forgiven, that we could have eternal life. Those are sweet things. Taking in the word of God, that Christ is going to return and set everything right, that's good. So as we study the scriptures, as we partake of it, it should be uh, sweeter than honey. But the reality is, as we take it in, it also should become bitter in our stomachs because the reality is God is good. The gospel is true. This is so sweet to know God personally, to have relationship with him, to be able to spend forever with him in heaven. Awesome. But it becomes bitter because we have our friends and our coworkers, our family that don't know him. And we know the reality of those who reject Christ. And I think that is good for us when the word of God is honey to our lips, sweet and bitter at the same time. So I encourage you guys, get into the word of God. Um, we're not quite done yet. I've asked Joe and Kelly uh, to share uh, with us how they came to faith in Christ. Um, and... Uh, we're going to turn it over to them uh, in a moment, but I want to encourage you guys. We're going to see in a couple weeks from now that they overcame Satan in chapter 12 by the blood of the lamb and the testimony of the saints. And it is a good thing for us uh, to share the goodness of God. So I'm excited to uh, listen with you guys, uh, just to what the lamers would have to share with us this morning. I'm going to turn it over to them and then I'll be back in a little bit. Hello everyone, um, we're Joe and Kelly Lamers. Um, we're part of a Freedom Fellowship Church and um, we're just really thankful and grateful for being able to be part of uh, um, the church family here in the ministry that we're doing and just for being able to share our story and, uh, and uh, what's happened in our lives. And so um, what we're gonna do is uh, we'll start with, um, we'll talk about our personal experience a little bit, but um, Kelly and I have been at the church here for a little over five years now. We've been married for 26 years. Um, our story is a little bit unique and we'll try not to drag it out too much. <laughs> um, but the way things kind of worked out, uh, it's kind of miraculous. It's kind of hard it to is. believe uh, what we went through. But um, I originally grew up in the valley here. I've been here my whole life. I haven't gone anywhere. Um, came from a family background of pretty strong religious family background and everything and um, for the most part a very blessed life I feel um, but along the way things happened and for me it started out um, when I was about 20 years old I met somebody and I got married and um, things were going along great for a few years um, but I was 20 years old I was pretty young and uh, you know things started changing and you know, I thought I'd be able to handle everything fine, but it turns out that 
um, our marriage didn't go so well. The one that person I was married to, and uh, seven years came along, and I was facing divorce, and I never really thought that I would ever, ever be a candidate to be divorced, and it did hit me kind of hard. Um, it was probably the only thing in my young life that I wasn't prepared for and didn't know how to get through, and um, that was kind of a downtime in my life, I have to say, um, and it wasn't like I turned away from God or anything like that. Um, I had a lot of support from my family, my parents, um, but I was doing things on my own. There was no question, and it was my way. And um, and so um, that became a hard time in my life, and I found myself being single again um, and starting over, and I took it pretty hard, I guess. Um, and I know it's a common thing that people go through, unfortunately, but I just, for whatever reason, it affected me enough that I stayed single for eight years um, until I met Kelly. Um, but that was a hard time because of the fact I turned to my own ways, um, turned away from God a little bit, um, strayed off the path, and 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 truly I had been searching for a lot of years. Um, so it became a really difficult time going through divorce and then being divorced and and uh, bad choices along the way a little bit too. Um, but? But um, something happened then after eight years of struggling, which God uh, took his time with me and he was patient, um, but I was stubborn, you know, so it was, was on me but then something did happen and I had a life-changing experience and this happened about 10 days before I met Kelly and um, before I say anything more about that I think maybe Kelly should talk about her past because hers was even more complicated than mine. <laughs> complicated. Yeah. Well first I want to thank Pastor for asking us and we just hope God's edified through this and I know on behalf of my husband he thinks this because this is the first time I've been out of sweatpants in three months, so I'm sure Joe's happy. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, I too grew up in a church. Um, I was in a Sabbath-keeping church and kept the Jewish holy days, and uh, I remember always being afraid. I never heard about love and grace and mercy. I just remember hearing about the wrath of God and always being frightened. So um, I was living in Kentucky at about 18. I, when I went away to college, I said goodbye to church. Um, never goodbye to God. I never did not believe in God, but I just didn't believe in church. I was confused. Um, so I went to school for a year. After a year, I met my husband and we got married. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, I had two babies, worked two jobs while putting him through college. And, and when he was done, that he was gonna work while I went to college. And after he graduated, he got a job in Colorado. And um, so we packed up everything, said goodbye to all our friends and family, and went west. Um, and again, no church in any of this. But um, I remember one time saying to him, I think we should probably go to church. You know, we got kids. What do you think? He's like, no, we don't need it. I said, okay. So um, about six months later, he was in Colorado, or in California for a uh, job thing. And it was our seventh anniversary. And I got to go out there with him, and we were having a lovely meal, and he took my hand and said, I love you, and I said, I love you, and he said, I will always love you. And I said, I always love you. He said, I just don't want to be married. And 
my whole world just shifted. He was my everything and no clue, no warning. And I was just lost. I had no friends, no family, no job, two babies. And I mean, I was um, in a very dark place. I was so lonely. I was ashamed. Like Joe said, you don't get married to get divorced. And I couldn't go home again. I was so ashamed. And But um, I was going to school and to be an interpreter. I'm a sign language interpreter. And part of what I had to do to graduate was to see different interpreting situations. And two of them, one was in a stadium setting and one was a religious setting. And um, I had a friend that I was in school with and he came up to me and said, hey, you know, Billy Graham's going to be at my high stadium doing a 10-day crusade. I'm like, Billy Graham? And he's like, yeah, you want to go see it? And I said, why? He's like, well, we can see the interpreters. There's going to be a ton of interpreters and we can get hours. And I'm like, oh, okay. So he said, I'll get tickets. I said, sounds good. So first day of the crusade, um, packed you know this it's mile high stadium just massive people and i'm watching all the interpreters and it was just amazing and i wasn't listening to the little guy on the field i was just watching the interpreters and towards the end people are all going down and they're all crying and i'm eye rolling and we get home and he said do you want to go tomorrow and i said yeah that was kind of cool so second night we go and i'm watching but then i'm listening and then i watch the interpreters and then i listen some more and Ooh, I was kind of, I went home that night, was feeling kind of fun. So I asked my friend, can we go tomorrow? And he's like, yeah. And unbeknownst to me, he was already saved. So he was kind of guiding me. The third night there, I could not stop listening. I was so drawn. And it was as if all these people went away. And it was as though he was talking directly to me. And I heard about this love, this unconditional love. I heard, come as you are. I felt dirty. I felt like a failure. I felt, I had no self-esteem. And he's saying, come, he loves you. He wants you, lay it here. He died for you. And all these beautiful things that just resonated in me. And next thing I know I'm standing and I'm walking down, just weeping, going down these steps. And um, my life was never the same. I was so moved people came around you and prayed with you and then you filled out a card and they called me the next day they made sure I had a church they didn't just leave me and so that I want you to know that my life while it changed inside externally it was the same I was still single I was broke I still had two babies but I wasn't alone anymore and and that's what I I had a joy I woke up with a joy and I knew he was going to go before me Things were going to get better because he was with me. And to have that kind of unconditional love, I still get God bumps because mm -hmm. it's the most beautiful experience of my life. And so through that, I mean, his hand was everywhere. I got a scholarship. My children got free daycare. I graduated with honors. I got a job right away. I mean, just these blessings were just literally pouring out. My phone gets disconnected. I get a check in the mail from a friend said, thinking of you. And just constant. I could write a book, but I won't. Um, so, and during this time, God provided, we moved around. Um, I moved to Wyoming. I moved to Ohio. I got a job in this little place called Luxembourg, Wisconsin. I don't know why. And all this time had passed. It had been eight years. I was married for seven, same as him. Divorced for eight, same, same as him. Exactly. <laughs> and um, one day I was sitting there and I had realized I'd always been praying for a husband because I believed in marriage and I wanted it. 
And uh, but this one night, I'm sitting there looking at my babies who are watching TV and giggling, and I'm looking where I live, and I love my job, and I just started praising him. I said, I need nothing. I have everything I need. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, four days later, I met him. And it was like God said, now you get it. Step back and let me show you what I can do. <laughs> exactly. And now, the that time frame was exactly the time that I had my experience, uh, a born-again experience, which I something definitely happened, and I knew there was details. And I'm not going to go into all of them right now, but I will say this much. It was 10 days before I met Kelly. I was... I'm a bow hunter. I was in the woods bow hunting and deer hunting. So I think this is a great story for the men <laughs> that go to the retreat in October. So I'll bring those details up then and we'll just look at that because it's stuff that it really is emotional for me. It makes me tear up. I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> but this is how God works. It was the same timing. He He got me in a position to where I virtually... The biggest detail gave up control yes. i gave up control of my life totally and that was that was the factor um but god did the work it's like when moses was in the desert and he was being prepared for his his uh, mission and god melded him into what he was well that's the way i i looked at it for myself as i had to be ready and then god did it mm -hmm. so with that um Kelly can talk if she wants real quickly about our date and first couple dates and what that looked like. But I will tell you this much right now. What changed in my life after I gave up is this. Mm. I didn't have a Bible. And as of yet, I hadn't been in a Bible church. And so we're going to talk about that real quick here a little bit and try to get through the rest of this. Yeah. Well, when we met, obviously, um, I knew that I could be the faith that he was. And I had prayed I knew I was falling in love with him, and I knew God was telling me, you have to speak on me, share me, share about me, and share how I've changed your life. And so I was talking to Joe, and I said, I can't be a part of this church because it's not doesn't read the Bible, and I, I don't feel I have to talk to somebody else to talk to God now. Jesus is my intercessor. I can talk to God <clears throat> through Jesus. And, and I was all ready for him to say, okay, you know, and instead he said, tell me more ask any had anybody say tell me more and I'm like oh well and anyways that's kind of how it was we started going to church together um, mm -hmm. our first Christmas we gave each other a Bible unbeknownst to the other and mm -hmm. um, and that's and that's study. when more of what faith is all about finally struck me and hit and um, one of the very first things we learned um, in our Bible church um, is God is a God of more than one chance he's a god of second chances and third chances and fourth he's such a, a forgiving god mm -hmm. and uh that's what made this oh. possible that we could get a chance to do it right and redemption that's, and that's what was on our hearts and uh, we kind of knew right away i think that we were we were going to be doing something big yeah. and uh, for those of you that know us now we're in marriage ministry with pastor landon and it's a handful of stuff, and we've been doing this a lot of years. And About 20. We don't deserve to be doing something in which we failed in in our past, do we? But yes, we do with God. That was hard. He said something about, I feel called to do this a marriage ministry. And I was like, no one's going to want to listen to us. And then I realized that's pride. That wasn't mm -hmm. God. That was Kelly talking. And then I listened to him, and we were trained. And um, 
Very, and the, the neat thing about our ministry is we do both pre-marriage to kind of guide people um, so that they don't make the same mistakes we've made, that we can maybe save them from that pain through God's grace. Mm-hmm. And then we also help ma- marriages. You know, there's hiccups along the way and just maybe to guide them through that. And one of the biggest keys to uh, one of the churches along the way when we were learning and growing and, and how to do marriage, and especially pre-marriage, they had a need for uh, pre-marriage, uh, for second marriage mentoring. And mm-hmm. so we got kind of thrown into that, and that was our category. And it was overwhelming how many people we had to minister that were getting remarried. And and uh, it turned out being a lot of, a lot of work. And... Uh, but here we were equipped to do it because of our experiences and our failures mm-hmm. and and we learned how god can can fix it all yeah um just following his word his scripture doing it the right way and doing every for everything for god's glory putting and, him first and that's what you have to do and, you have uh, to put him first so. yeah and i um i just i thought i forgot something i was going to say but um Oh, one of the things too, we've moved around and we've never wanted to move around, but everywhere God has taken us, we've been blessed and we've been, we've learned and been able to use what he's asked us to, to mm-hmm. do. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and at this point now it's, it's quite amazing how there's still more to learn and in our faith and grow in, in our marriages. And, um, with all the couples we've worked with so far, they have blessed us more than we've blessed them. That's it's, what it's, I was going to say. It's amazing how it so enhances us. And we are blessed, so yes. we're in a place now where we're trying to encourage everyone that we know and in our church to just really put that effort in to, to work at your marriage because uh, none of us are safe from anything in this world. Um, temptations are out there and they hit us real hard no matter who you are. And uh, it's not something to overlook. And um, our spouse is the most important thing in our life after Jesus. Uh, And and we have to keep that in mind. And it's very difficult because everyone's busy. Everyone has a lot of things to do. And we're selfish. And we're selfish people (laughs) down deep. So there's a lot of teaching and learning. And it's helped us more than all the people we have, I believe. Yes. and uh, we're truly blessed to do this. We don't know how long we'll keep doing it, but God has a season for everything. But one of the things we know for sure is is God will take things that you struggle with, things that that you fail in, and he'll make it your ministry. Beauty for ashes. And this is the way um, God will work. And so um, if people out there, if you're you're wondering about um, what ministry, you know, what what are your spiritual gifts, any of that, um, everyone has something. Pray and and more than one, we have to pray about, that, you know, and uh, and the key is we're helping each other through this mm-hmm. this journey of of maturing and our sanctification in God, and it's it's a it's an awesome awesome journey, and it, things should be changing and happening, and if they are, you're doing the right things. Um, you will see fruit. We'll mm-hmm. produce fruit. We will we will uh, uh, affect other people's lives for good. Um, and this is what God Shine wants us to be doing, shining, yeah. shining a light for him. And uh, so yeah. anyway, um, I don't know if there's anything more you want to share about currently we're doing. Um, I guess I just want to say again, you can't, yeah. you, this gift that Jesus has for you, it's free for the taking. It's mm-hmm. just right there. It's nothing you can do to get it. Like, I, oh, I'm not good enough for it or whatever. But in the same token, you can't be too bad either. There's nothing mm-hmm. you can do that isn't covered by the blood of Jesus. And he is right here saying, I can give you eternal life. Mm-hmm. I can give you a connection to my heavenly father. It's just right here. 
So it's humbling yourself and just saying thank you. And we want to reach out more to all of you, everyone that that knows what we're doing and, and is, is worshiping with us as brothers and sisters. Um, but we need we need help from you too. We, we want to work together with building our marriages stronger. And in uh, these days, when things keep changing the way they do, um, we have so much together. And and one of the things I want to do in finishing up here is I have a a, a little bit of verse in Ephesians. I'm gonna just read this real quick, and then and then we can okay. be done here. Um, and then we can hear pastor. Um, but in Ephesians uh, 6.10 um, to 20 reads, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Mm -hmm. And friends, this is, this is how we have to keep up pushing hard in our faith to grow and, and to uh, hold on to what God gives us. And it's all in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. Amen. It is so good to hear uh, just the faithfulness of God and how he works, uh, how he meets with people, how he saves them. Uh, and again, thank you, Lamers, so much uh, for sharing with us. You guys are so Loved, and we are so thankful that you are a part of our church family here and just the way that God's using a, you to serve our body. Uh, also, I want to uh, encourage you guys uh, this coming uh, Wednesday morning, 7 a.m., we've been going through uh, Daniel together, and we're getting into chapter three, my daughter's favorite story of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, be thrown into that fiery furnace. But we're going to uh, just look at the reality of God being there with us when we go through the fire. Uh, tune in 7 a.m. on our Facebook page. Otherwise, it'll be up later that day on our website. And uh, giving, offering tithes, you can go to our website or mail it into the church here. It's um, what I know. God bless you guys really good. Uh, and also, bless God this week. Peace. God bless you, and thanks for listening to today's message. For more information on Freedom Fellowship Church or to hear other teachings, please visit our website, cometofreedom.com, or interact with us at facebook.com slash church.